welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sunday School by Matt Carpenter on June 19th, Lord's Day Service. to see everyone here often uh, you've heard me say before somebody comes the first week that's out of curiosity if you come the second week it's out of purely being a glutton for punishment so uh, but of course last week was the husband's talk so of course no good husband would come to the talk last week without saying both of us need to go to this next talk because it's on submission so years ago at a church where my dad was a pastor, there uh, he preached a three-part series on the family, and the first week was, of course, to husbands, and one of the deacons was sick that week, so he was not there. So his wife, and this is before the days of you know being able to easily record messages except on audio cassette. So his wife said, and I heard her say this, and I quote. My husband was out last week because he was sick, so he didn't have to hear the, the, the men's talk, so I'm not going to be at church tomorrow because I don't want to hear the women's talk. So, the, I don't know. She, she wasn't there the next day, so I, you know, I'd like to think that was kidding, but you know, that's just the way things go sometimes. So, all that to say, glad that everyone is here, and let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Thank you for bringing these couples and individuals here. I pray that you would give us wisdom as we grow in your word. In Christ's name, amen. So, what do Sarah, Hannah, and Mary all have in common? If you said they're all women, that's a start. Yes, but there's more to it. Yes. All are known as godly women. All trained famous sons. And all flourished through submission. Submission is always easiest when we're telling other people to do it. Have you ever noticed that? You know, it's, have you ever had a problem telling your kid to do this? And when the kid says no, you say, yes, you will do it. Obey me. Okay? Is that hard? No, because we have both God's command and we also have our own wills that, don't, that do not like to be crossed. And both of those actually work together. Submission is easier when we're telling someone else to do it. On the other hand, we don't like submitting as much when we are the ones having to take the orders. For example, when April the 15th or the 17th comes around, how many of you give your taxes with submission? That answers that question. So... There's all kinds of things that we're told to do that we don't like. I mean, all of us have had bosses before. Everybody's had a boss. And my guess is a few of you may have had bosses before who were not the godliest individuals in the world, who didn't endear themselves to you, and who did not give you instructions with, let's say, your best interest at heart. Right? We've had those bosses before. And they tell us to do something... We say, okay, and we may not say anything outwardly, but inside we're going, shaking our fist, how dare you, you don't talk to me that way, the whole bit. Well, we say to ourselves, we wouldn't mind submitting if the person were perfect. They would just do it right if they would act the right way. Well, that would be much easier. But of course now often when we say if they would just, if they were perfect, the way we define perfect is 
if they would ask me to do the things I already want to do anyway. That's, that's what we mean by perfect. We think that we would submit if it were just, you know, if God himself was asking me to submit, it would be much easier. Okay. Let's ask a question. R run this little test in your mind. When was the last time something difficult happened to you that did not make sense? Something you did not like. God allowed something to happen that was frustrating, irritating. Did you receive it with a submissive heart? Did you say, did you give thanks for it? Or did you inwardly grumble, whine, complain, get angry, or whatever? If it's any of those things, if you grumbled, if you whined, if you complained, if you were mad, you're not submitting to God either. Now, look, I'm not saying this to, to say you're all a bunch of sorry people. I mean, granted, that, that's, that's the common Presbyterian trope that we think of. You know, if you don't go to a Presbyterian church and you hear about how awful you are on a Sunday, have you really even been to church? Well, that's not the, the point here. The point is, though, to see even to God himself, we don't like submission. So we all have to work on this. If you have trouble submitting to God who is perfect, you will have trouble submitting to people, to, in this case, wives to your husbands, who's imperfect. So, I'm going to give you a scenario here. Imagine you work for a company and your boss asked you to transport some things from here to Chicago. But to do this, to transport these things, he gives you a lovely bright red Ferrari. Okay? And he just gives it to you. It's not temporary alone. It's like, here you go. You can have this. And then he's, he tells you, your boss tells you what route to take. So, so you're going to take I-65 and then take I-24 and then Highway 41. And eventually you're, you'll end up in Chicago. But, you say, do you know how much traffic is on those roads? Some of those roads are not real good. I've got a better idea. It's a lot better to go the direct route. Don't get on the interstates that take you this way and that. Just, just go the direct route. So that involves a bunch of back roads and two-lane highways and even going, you know, dirt roads and even off-road at times, you know, just kind of weaving through the trees. But I know a way that will get me to Chicago, and I won't have to deal with all that traffic that you're sending me through. So you have two potential routes. you got the route your boss says, and you have your route. What shape will your lovely car be in by the time you return home if you take your route? <coughs> Versus what shape will your car be in if you take the route your boss gives you? God created you, ladies, with a purpose. He's given you numerous gifts. He's called you to use your gifts and abilities to serve him. But often, we don't like the path he gives us to serve. We don't like the channels that he has laid out. We have better plans. Things that make a whole lot more sense to us. So we kind of, you know, reinterpret Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and uh, also lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and you can choose your own path. <laughs> now, that sounds facetious and sacrilegious, but... 
Do we ever do that? Like Eve, many want to decide what path she will take. Sisters, the world calls you to come out from the path of submission and follow your own path. And it has ever since the beginning. The very first message to a woman was, has God really said? There's a lot in that statement. We will not try to, we will not unpack it now. But did he, re- did he really mean this? Is this the only path you have? Or, I got a better plan. You can go ahead and usurp, go around and take the better way. Follow your heart, which is the well-known trope of princess movies everywhere, is a siren song. And like the original siren song heard by Odysseus and his troops on their way returning home, this mesmerizing sound leads to death and destruction. Why do you think women file for 70% of all divorces in the country? If inwardly you say, well, because they have real good reason to, I think you need to reevaluate your preconceptions there. We've been catechized in the school of follow your heart. We have sown the wind. We have reaped the whirlwind. But the path to follow God's path is still there. It's narrow. It's a little bit more difficult. We see it as overgrown, but it's actually not as difficult as we think. It looks easy to follow the other way. But very soon you'll discover you follow the other way and you have a lot of trials. This way looks hard. God's way looks hard, but in the end is actually the way gets easier as you develop your spiritual hiking muscles. As you travel his path, it does get better. So, briefly, very briefly, I'll give the same caveats that I gave last week. Uh, Husbands, please don't take this that you're hearing today and use it as the all-purpose crowbar with which to uh, help exhort your wives at whatever opportunity you see fit. And wives, you will find yourselves today hearing, you will hear me say things that internally at least you will say, but you don't understand. You will say, no, I can't do that. It's impossible. I can tell you this. There were plenty of husbands who felt the same way last week. All right? But both, whether it's headship for a husband or submission and obedience for a wife, both are supernatural strengths that come from the Spirit of God. So, is it possible? Yes, it's possible one step at a time. So here we go. Submission. I'm going to give five different points about submission. And taken from a few different texts. But, number one... In order to to see submission, we have to understand, number one, God created the world with hierarchy. God created the world with hierarchy. In the very system of the world, we have, in the cosmos, there is Yahweh. And then, in this, this earth, man 
animals, plants, and so on. It's natural. It's inescapable. And I, and I said man, you say, what about woman? Well, within man, uh, wh where did we get woman? Woman was taken out of the man. And Paul will actually emphasize that very point in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 8 and 9. He says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. So I'm not going to talk about the, 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 the overarching principle in 1 Corinthians 11 regarding uh, husbands, wives, worship, and, and, and head coverings. But the principle applies to more that I just gave you, is to more than just head coverings within God's world. The woman was taken from the man. The woman was made for the man. If you're married, ladies, you cannot fulfill the purpose God has given you apart from working within the bounds your husband establishes. Now you can do your own thing. I'm not saying you can't do your own thing because, you know, internally you probably want to say, oh, I can't watch me. We live in a whole world full of people saying, watch me. We've had so much of that go on. Now, we don't even know the difference. I mean, how many people do you see on, on just everywhere, if you ask anyone running for office, what is a woman, they trip over themselves like they have never seen an obstacle course before, like they're going through an obstacle course blindfolded. Why? Because we have no understanding of the way God made the world. It does not mean to say that man, excuse me, woman is made from the man, does not mean that man is inherently greater, but he was delegated by God as the authority in the garden with the woman to help him. The principle of authority is inescapable. No military can exist without authority. No, even in militias, you have authority. No authority, no order. Think about what it would be like to live in a society with no authority. And let me also say something here as well. Uh, I'll, I'll mention it in passing here in a few minutes. But when I'm talking about the authority in the home, I don't want you to think that authority in the home, that the husband being the head of the wife is where all authority stops. Like, you have the husband... And then everything else and everyone else. No, the, I did not, Scripture does not say that the, that the husband is the Sith Lord of the empire. All right? He's not the only source of all goodness, truth, and power. No. In God's world, there's multiple authorities. You have the household, you have the civil government. And we, even within our civil government, you have multiple authorities with the, the city and the county and the state and then the national levels. But then you also have church authorities. You have elders as well. So there's all these different authorities and throughout the history of the world, especially since the time of the resurrection, these three realms of authority, the household, the state, and the church, have protected one another. God has ordained these to protect one another. At the time of the Roman Empire, we think that it was the empire itself that was the overarching authority. And yes, they, they did have authority, but you know what? The church gave a lot of protection along with the state against abuse in the household. The church especially was powerful in freeing from the despotic tyranny of many households. I mean, you, you think patriarchy is bad now. We know nothing of what a true tyrannic patriarchy is. Roman household, the head of the house could have anybody in the household killed. 
And the local authorities wouldn't say a thing about it. They couldn't. That includes the wife. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about patriarchy now, but it's, that's way out. And, and the church was a gift from God to help protect these places. But regardless, authority is God's gift. He created the world with authority, with hierarchy. And number two, the second point. The wife's head is her husband. The wife's head is her husband. This is nothing new. We've heard this before. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Wives, you're called to, to just put it as plainly as Scripture does, to submit to your husband because he is your head. Last week we talked about what headship means for a husband. And it's no easy task. It's not that he pounds his fist and says, do this, and you say, yes, sir, anything else. Okay? No, there, it's, there, there's more to it than that for him. But today, we are emphasizing the other part of the marital relationship, which is submission. So, ladies, this is both the hardest and the greatest thing you will ever do. Don't minimize either of those. It's hard. It's hard. But it's also the way that God intends you to thrive. Now, when I say that the husband is head of the wife, this is not tiebreaker theology. All right? Where, you know, everybody, where everything's egalitarian except when one disagrees with the other. And at that point, then the husband gets to be the tie-breaking vote, and that's what headship means. No. It's, that's not it at all. Paul specifically says, wives, that you are to be subject to your husband in all areas. Verse 24. As the church is subject to Christ, what area, let me ask like this, what area is the church allowed to do her own thing outside of the authority of Christ? We're good Christians. We know the answer to that. Nowhere. Okay. Paul said, just as the church is subject to, to, the, to Christ, so let wives be subject to their husbands in all things. At this point, that's when the hair starts to fly up. We say, but I don't get to be my own person. This has nothing to do with your worth or value. You are no less created in God's image than your husband is. But you are called to different roles in God's kingdom. You cannot fulfill your husband's role and he cannot fulfill your role. Now, look, we're not talking here about all the responsibilities that fall normally to wives and the responsibilities that fall to husbands. So that's, that's not the primary emphasis today. So there is, yes, a lot more to being a wife than just being a yes woman. Okay, That's not what I'm telling you. But that's where it begins, with a submissive heart. As odd as it sounds, submission to your husband, even when he is wrong, is the path God has created for you to thrive. Even when he is wrong. Now, I'm not saying, if he tells you, I'm, I'm going to rob Fort Knox, and I want you to drive the getaway car. I'm not saying you are bound to drive the getaway car. All right? You're not required to sin. If he says, sin, you don't have to say yes. All right? But you know what? 
There's a whole lot of stuff. Like almost all of it. That's not sin. But boy, we want it to be sin because we would love to say no. Man. I mean, sometimes, have you ever just wanted your husband to tell you to sin just so you could say no? Maybe not. I hope maybe you are godlier than that. I've actually had that. When I was a public school teacher, I can remember thinking at times because there are so many dictates from the state we were having to follow, and, and I was not the ideal example of heart submission there uh, at the time. I remember thinking, liberalism's coming. I wish they'd just go ahead and tell me to do something I can't do just so I can say on principle. But they wouldn't. They gave me all this stuff that I had to submit to because, and, and by the way, this is another thing for husbands, okay? A great way for you to help your wives in this is to demonstrate submission to your own boss. Demonstrate submission to your church. Show her how to submit. Show her what it looks like. When the church does something that you don't agree with, do you gripe about it and complain about it? Do you tell her what a bunch of louts those people are? What a terrible boss I have? Whatever. Demonstrate it for her. This is part of how you help. Submission demands patience, courage, faith, and joy, but it is God's path. Hear me closely when I say God has not called you to follow your own heart, but he's called you to follow his. God has not called you to follow your own heart, but to follow his. Again, you, you may say, how can I do this? You don't know. Because look, I have heard this. This is not just an idea that would... No, in counseling before, I've heard wives say, do you know my husband? Do you know what a fill in the blank he is? I have no idea the degree to which your husband is whatever you just said. But I know this, when you submit to him, you are submitting to God. This is not just that God tells you to do it and, you ha and you're doing it all because your husband is such a great guy. Because I know from experience, sometimes we're not great guys. Might as well own it. But I also say, it's not your husband that you should see when you're told to do these things. It is your Heavenly Father. He is the one you are submitting to. So if you see your husband doing something that you think you have a better idea, by all means, you can share that with him. I'm not saying you just have to stay quiet all the time. But if he, so if he takes what you, your suggestion and he goes with it, fantastic. If not, you know what? You're off the hook. God doesn't hold you responsible for your husband's mistakes. If you're submitting to your husband as unto the Lord and your husband blows it, on the last day, you, he's not going to say, why did you submit to him like that? You will not hear those words. He will bear that. The path to growing in grace is the path of submission. So, number one, we said God created the world with hierarchy. Number two, the wife's head is her husband. Number three, submission is a state of heart and mind. Submission is a state of heart and mind. 1 Peter 3, verse 1, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be, be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. 
For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as God, excuse me, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Peter says that a wife should be in submission to her husband. Submission is a state of heart and mind. It's not just something which we, you don't just assent your submission in this area or that area. It's something you're called to walk in. We're really good individualists. We see maintaining my rights as my top priority. We have imbibed more of the Declaration of Independence, especially the statement that all men are created equal and they're endowed with their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, are, we, we have more credence to that statement than we do to the idea that all our rights come from God himself. And when we come to him, we actually give up our rights for a set of responsibilities. The first responsibility is submission to the multi-layered authorities God places over us. I've got good news, and this goes for, for anyone who's under authority. When you are walking in submission to your authorities, if you are doing what you can do faithfully before them, you are not bound by your authorities' choices. By, by, by bound, I mean God does not hold you responsible for your authorities' poor choices. We think we're submitting sometimes by simply acknowledging we're under authority. But that's just the beginning. Acknowledging that I have an authority is a start. But submission in marriage means that a wife pursues the good of her household while following the path her husband sets, even if it's not the direction you want to go. You're called to pursue your husband's vision rather than pursuing a separate vision. There's no sphere that, that ultimately you, you can say, this is mine. I'm Lord over this part of the realm and he's Lord over everything else. Submission doesn't mean that he gets 55% of control and you have 45%. And you can do whatever you want with your 45%. And then you can bug the stew out of him over the other. And sometimes, wives, there's a temptation for you when your husband makes a bad decision, you can think, I'm not actually going to give everything I have to making this decision work because I really want him to see that this was a dumb decision. I'll look like I'm helping. I'll look like I'm, I'm going to make it work. But really, I'm so rooting for it to blow up. That's not submission. That's selfishness. We're, we live in a region, and this is one of, the, one of the sins of the South. Some people in this part of the country have graduate degrees in passive-aggressive behavior. We know how to look the part while doing everything we can to not actually play the part. You have to resist that temptation because it is a temptation it is from Satan and it's just another way of rebelling that's not quite as overt in some of the I believe it was um, conservative Mennonite churches there was a saying among some that the, the size of a woman's head covering was in direct disproportion to the amount of submission she was actually in in her home <laughs> So the bigger the head covering, the less submission she probably had. Now, I've never been a Mennonite, so I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm just saying I have been told. 
But this works out in a lot of areas. Overcompensating to demonstrate to the world that you're in submission is not real submission. Well, then the question will arise, well, okay, Pastor, what you're saying is really good, but my husband is not leading at all. And there's, there, there are husbands who fall into this category. Wives who have a vision for what is good for the family. You know, the wife says, I've read the books. I know what a godly family looks like. And he's not doing what, it, he's not doing what is necessary for a godly family. So, if it's to be, it's up to me. I've got to do this. No, you don't. Now look, I'm not saying that you can't in your home do teach your kids. Absolutely. Guide them, discipline them, train them, all of those things. Yes, do whatever you can, but don't take upon yourself the mantle that God has not given. And that's what Peter is also, he talks about this as well, 1 Peter 3. This leads us to the fourth point. Not only is submission a state of heart and mind, but submission is a weapon. Submission is a weapon. He says that a husband may be won through his wife's holy life. Okay? He said, if some do not obey the word, then they without a word may be won by the conduct of of their wives. This is not a 100% promise. It's not a, wives, if you just do all these things, if you can check off all these boxes that you're, you know, submit in every single way, then you can, you're guaranteed that it's going to work out exactly the way you want. But no. This is a principle that is given. And I could give you story after story after story of times when a wife is submitted to a difficult husband. Sometimes he's a Christian, sometimes he's not. Peter's words apply to both Christians and non-Christians, though. Every husband has areas where he is weak. Every husband has areas where he's not leading well or he's not leading at all, including the one who's talking right now. But the answer is not for you wives to say, oh, he's weak, I'll just take the lead here. If you want your husband to take to, to draw back even more, the best thing for you to do is start taking more of his work on yourself. Because that, that's exactly what will happen. You ever uh, spotted for anyone working out? Especially bench press. I, I can remember, actually, yes, I did, I did play sports at one time. You may not believe that, but we won't talk about those things right now, except... To say, hey, you can remember in bench press in high school, you know, you, you, you're maxing out. You've got all this weight on you, and, and you're trying to push it. And then some, sometimes if you've got a good friend and, and you really, you're trying to impress the coach, and, and so, so you're, you're pushing that, and he's spotting you, but he's actually not spotting you. He's straining. You know, he's supposed to just be you know, making sure that the bar doesn't fall on your chest and crack your sternum, but you're actually the one spotting is doing as much, cur as much curling as the one who's actually doing the bench. Okay? Wives, that's what you do when you take on things that your husband is supposed to do. When you take the leadership yourself, you're not helping him grow in strength. You're actually helping him become weaker and weaker. But this, ladies, is a weapon. One who does not obey the word, as I said, can be found everywhere. Sometimes you can think that your greatest weapon, the way you get your husband to do what you want him to do is by whining, bribing, by any other common trick that, that ladies have used for thousands of years. And look, history is littered with examples of women using those tools at their, what they think are their best weapons for thousands of years. Feminine charms are as old as the feminine. 
and they can be used for manipulation and have been. But if you use those tools, those faulty fleshly tools, you may even see some change, but it'll be temporary. It will not last. The greatest weapon at your disposal is a godly life submitting to him and honoring him as much as you possibly can. This weapon is not one that actually harms. This weapon, like all spiritual armor, is one that helps both the one who is using it and the one on whom it is used. Think about that. Your weapon is for your own healing and his. Now I know you may be saying, this doesn't make any sense. I can't see how this is actually be true. Because when I've tried to submit, it's not worked. And I know it's hard. And even the best women at times fall. But when you fall, you don't say, well, I tried it. It doesn't work. I'm going to go back to my ways because after all, my ways have worked really well over all this time. No. You get up and you keep on. God will give you the grace you need to do the things he's called you to do. I can promise you that. And as you're doing this, you in time, by God's grace, will see growth and change in your husband. If what, whatever lead he takes, if you support him and encourage him and bless him in that. You show him your appreciation. And you cut out all the other tools. Stop! Don't use the other tools that you think work. Don't throw God's weapon down in order to use your own. So, the last point, then, is this. Submission is the key to beauty. Submission is the key to beauty. The world has a story. The world's story can be found in almost all women's movies. When I was younger, it was, you know, the standard joke that the Lifetime movie channel actually only had one set of script writers, and they, and they just wrote the same script for all, how many ever, hundreds of movies that they had. You have a woman who's treated badly, and so, and look, those things happen, and I'm not denying that, okay? I'm not... But then what is usually her redemption? She takes it upon herself. She seizes strength, her own power, and she does whatever she needs to do to, to take charge. That's the world story. And it's told not just there, it's told everywhere. We see this story all around us. If you submit, they say, you will be run over. So you must learn to fend for yourself, including in your marriage. The place that God has given you for your greatest protection, Satan says, this is the worst place that you can be. This is the place that you've got to stick up for your rights the most. But God has another story. Peter describes what godly submission, how it looks. And he contrasts the story. He contrasts two types of beauty here, the beauty that some women use, as I've already said a few minutes ago, the, the beauty that some women use, which is outward beauty. Makeup, working on your hair. By the way, Peter's not saying don't use makeup and don't, don't do your hair, okay? So by all means, you know, when the time comes, use the makeup if you see fit. Do your hair, that's great, but that should not be your main priority. That tool fades over time. You can't preserve it forever, no matter how much fat you put in your face. You, you, you can't make it last. The tool that he's given, the gift that he's given, is inner beauty. It's more difficult 
But Peter says, your pursuit should be the adornment of a beautiful heart. This is the beauty that does not fade. It grows throughout eternity. And he gives the story of Sarah as an example here. Sarah is an example of inner beauty and submission. She honored Abraham, even though Abraham, her own husband, made choices that were certainly difficult for her. Right? Like, get up and leave your household where you are. The place that you've established, get up and go. I'll let you know when you've arrived. Just go. Okay, that's not enough. They come to, and I know Peter does not mention this specifically, but just, you know, think about the story. When they come to the Pharaoh in Egypt and Sarah, Abraham says, let's pretend you're my sister. You kind of are, technically. She did. Have you ever thought about that? She did. She did what her husband said. Now, wife, come on, tell me. How many of you would be would, would actually submit? And I, I'm not saying in our day and age that that type of thing is permissible, okay? Don't take me out of context there. I am saying, though, in that day and time, it was, and her husband, I'm not saying it was a wise decision, not saying it was a right decision. It wasn't. But she submitted to her husband. Not just once. Twice. She submitted. Now what is the one time that her husband actually did what she wanted? How did that work? No, husbands, the answer is don't listen to your wife. See what happened with Abraham. That's not the thing Peter points out here, okay? Don't take that the wrong way. Don't go home with that information and say, this is what I got from Sunday school today. No. Peter's point is that submission is what God has called wives to do. And Sarah is one who obeyed her husband with a submissive heart. So when it comes to growing in inner beauty. The story he gives is that of Sarah. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Now what might a woman be afraid of in this passage? What is Peter saying for you to do? He's saying be submissive to your husbands and don't be afraid. You say, but how can I not be afraid? Because your Redeemer is mighty. The God of the universe is the one who oversees and protects you. It's not saying you'll never face trouble, you'll never face pain, you'll never have sorrow. No, but He is the one at your right hand. He is not going to let you, if you're walking with Him, if you're doing everything you can, He will protect you. And I'm going to say, practically speaking, if there are things going on that cannot be brought together, this is part, I mean, if, if there is, if there are problems, this is what you have elders for at church, okay? So I'm not just telling you something saying, you know, just go to God, take it all to Him, and that's it. No, if, if, if there are things going on that need to be brought this is, again, that multiple authority picture. But be aware. When you bring something to be, dis, you know, if you bring something, if you say, you know, my husband's asked, he's actually expecting me to do X, and if X is not a bad thing, and you say, we really need to talk to the elders about this, and you talk to the elders, and the elders say, actually, it's a perfectly reasonable expectation, don't, be, don't, don't say, well, doggone, I brought it to the elders and they just sided with him. Bunch of men. That, that's happened before, okay? So, this, this, is not, this is the, but this is God's gift, okay? This is what God has given for us. 
Sarah is an example as one who obeyed her husband with a submissive heart. And I would add that Sarah is also the one example I know of in Scripture of one who retains her beauty well into her old age. Don't tell me that those two are not connected. Ladies, how would you like it for your husband to to still be romantically drawn to you when you're 90 years old? How do you retain that type of beauty? Through a lifetime of submission. So in conclusion, whether we like it or not, God uses our authorities, even husbands, to accomplish his work. A wife can either resist or she can make it resist and make it harder, or she can follow Peter's instruction. As he said, says a little bit later, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. When we walk in submission, we are yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit. Far from being your ruin, submission to your husband is the path he provides to protect you, to guide you, and to help you flourish. So do you want to obey God? Do you you want to become a woman who thrives? Submit to God by submitting to your husband. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for giving us the time together. Please bless us now in our worship. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.